Good morning, everyone. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daftas Zayin in Masechas Ksubos, which means we'll be starting the second parak. Ha'isha Shinis Armala. Uh, this is kind of rare. The second parak is Chazara of the first parak, or at least the beginning of the second parak is Chazara of the last few blocked, which is good for you, Andrew, because we missed you terribly during your Houston trip. So I'll just tell you real quick, the end of Tesvav, uh, the end of the last parak, uh, quoted a mission in Machshirin, which was if you found a child like a foundling, if you will, and you found him, and we don't know if he's Jewish or not, so we said, if Imrov Ovde Kachavim, then he's treated as an Ovde Kachavim, Rov Yisrael, he's treated as Yisrael, and if it's Mechza Mechza, meaning if there's, the town was exactly half and half, like Baltimore, so then you treat him as an Yisrael. Hey, David, don't worry, I'm just finishing, I'm catching Andrew up. So, the, so then we explained for what was the reason, that's how we finished the parak. I promised Dave that I would, um, that I would explain this last piece because we just read it in the words. So we said at the end, why do we need to, for, in other words, what, what do we treat him like an Akum for? So we say, we give him Mickey D's and the Velas. Rovi Yisrael, what do we treat him like Yisrael with, regard, with regards for Hashavah Saveda, which is unique to Yisrael? And then finally, Mechzal Mechzal Yisrael, how's, how's that work? So we said, well, there, there's going to be a Motsi Mechavera, all of Araya issues, for example. If this has to do with Sure, one shore goring another. So, I, so Rashi says a whole uh, daf and in a few lines. Basically, it says like this: If a shore of a non-Jew gores a shore of a Jew, then he has to pay him full nezek. If shore of a Jew gores a shore of a non-Jew, he doesn't have to pay him. If a shore of a Jew is goring a shore of a Jew, so if he's a tam, it's chazi nezek. If he's a muad, it's a nezek shalom. So what ends up happening is like this. Let's say this foundling had a shore, but right? he grows up and he has a bull. <laughs> and then uh, the, they do nezek on each other. Now, in the secular world, we'll call it, right? In the non-Jewish world, when shores gore each other, you don't pay because that's just, that's just part of doing business, right? So that's a novel thing for, for Jews. So that's why we don't pay them if, if we gore theirs because they wouldn't pay each other. That's what the Rambam explains. Be that as it may, if his shore gets gored, then you would need proof to pay him. In other words, he would need, he's he would show, need to show proof, which he can't, and therefore he would, he would not have to be paid because hamotzi mechavero alavaraya. So in other words, if his short gets gored, he's not gonna, he's not gonna get paid because he's a half and half. But if his shore gores a Jew's shore, so then if he's a Jew, he would, and it's a tam, so if he's a Jew, he's, he's he would pay chatzinezek. And if he's a, if he's a non-Jew, he would have to pay Nezek Shalem. Oh, so it's in that case, that's how our parak uh, ended up. It is in that case where he would only pay a Chatzin Nezek, right, as a Jew, because there it's a Motsi Mechaver of Araya, where you have to bring Araya to him that he's not Jewish in order to get your Nezek Shalem. Uh, and, and, and again, regardless, he'd have to at least pay Chatzin Nezek, because it's, it's him, Goring a Jew's shore. So if he was a Jew and Satam, he would, he would pay Chatzi Nezek. And if he was not Jewish, he would pay Nezek Shalom. So he's paying at least Chatzi Nezek. But to extract the full Nezek Shalom, he'd have to prove that he is not a Jew. Okay. So again, Hadron Alach Batula Nisais. I wanted you to experience that, Andrew. And let's start our new parak. So the new parak talks about Ha'isha Shanis Armala Onis Garsha. This Hadron Alach is about to uh, come to fruition, Dave, because we are going to be reviewing the last few blocks. 
Remember Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua? Yes. Right, so Rabbi Gamliel, didn't, he believed the lady. So we had the case of where she was midaberes and meuberes, right? We had the single girl. We saw her either sit, uh, socializing, going and ducking behind the boardwalk or whatever with a guy, or she showed up and she actually was with child. And Rabbi Gamliel, and she said, I was with the man, but he's a kosher guy, and therefore I'm not puzzled. Rabbi Gamliel said, we believe her. And Rabbi Yeshua said, we don't believe her. Now, what we're going to be discussing in this new parak is the interplay of all the different factors. This is all the different yeshivish, like, buzzwords, right? Uh, all the different factors in this machlokas, Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Gamliel. So I'll start by reading the Mishnah, and then we'll outline some of these, some of these terms as follows. Let's do some revisionist history over here. A wild case. Woman, a woman, right, terminates her relationship with with her husband, either by him dying or divorce. And he omeres besulas nasasi. Wait, if he died, how is he giving counter arguments? Right, she says, okay, either it's a case of divorce, or we're talking about when he died and his right children, his yorshim, the estate is making the claim. But be that as it may, she's now getting her ksuva, right? Because you get your ksuva once you buy, when there's death or divorce. So she's claiming, I get 200 zuz, besula nesasani. As we've already discussed, uh, besula gets 200 zuz, right? And an almana, right, would get 100 zuz. So she's saying, I was a besula, pay up the 200 zuz. But he or his estate says, no. When we got married, you were already married before. You were an almana. Wow, you would think that that would be easy to prove. Just look at the wedding album, go to some of the people that were at the wedding, and find out, uh, find out whether she was a basula or not. Like, people must know. Or another way to say it, or another way to find out would be look at the ksuba. The, the ksuba normally would say whether she was a basula or an almana. So it must be, this was a case where she lost the ksuba, as we'll see, right? Or, in other words, this was a case where we don't have a ksuba, as we will see. Okay, so without the evidence of Aksuba, you got to go ask people, ask around. So that's what the Mishnah says. It says, Imyech edim Hinuma is uh, a certain um, thing that the Gemara will determine, that will define that's ind- indicative of the fact that she was a Basula. In other words, the wedding of, right, when it's the girl's first wedding, it looks different than when she's in Almana. In Almana, you do it like in, a, in an office, right? Like you go to someone's office, so to speak. This is how we're going to describe it. Now, when she's a basula, she gets like the full wedding with Nussie Gross and Jeffrey Ratches and the whole catering. Uh, Mosey caters really well. He, he had a good thing that, that one night. I've seen some good events from him too. Not just, uh, but, 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 but we love, we love Fischl Gross also, even though he, he loves to listen to some other podcasts. Anyway, so he's saying she was an Omana. So if they have Adim, that it was like a real full wedding, then ksuvasamasaim. In other words, all you need is talk to people. If you can find people who are at that wedding and they say, yeah, no, it was a real wedding, the kind that you have in Basula is indicated by the fact that her hair was down, right? This is in a culture where the Kala wore her hair down. If she was a Almana, she'd be wearing a sheitol at the wedding. As some Haredim in Israel already do this, the, even the, for the Basulas, but in those days they did it for only the Almanas and therefore ksuvasamasaim. Then Rabbi Yochanan ben Broka Omer, he adds, Yeah, even if they threw 
these parched grains, that was something that was, again, only indicative. It was very corporate. If you had it in Almana, you would do it in some office, get like a minion of guys who don't even know who you are, and you'd get it done. But if they remember that the wedding was right at a terrace alka and all the people were there, they were throwing up the grain, that's a real Basula's wedding, and therefore that's all you need to prove her claim that she gets Matayim Zuz. Fine. And then the Mishnah continues, and this is where we really start to chazer uh, the previous chapter. And Rabbi Yeshua is Moida, Moida to who? So we're going to see, he's going to be Moida to Rabbi Gamliel here. Rabbi Yeshua typically doesn't believe the woman, believes, but Omer Lachaveru, wait a minute, totally not having to do with a woman here. So we're going to see that this has to do with what we talked about in the previous chapter. What's the case? So forget about Nashim for a minute. Let's go to Nazikin or other cases of civil law where a, right, or, um, right, contract law, um, a person says, shows up, let's say Andrew has a field, and all of a sudden, um, or somebody has a field, Barry has a field, and somebody comes over to Barry, like, at four years after Barry's father's nifter, somebody comes over to Barry, and he says, Be'omer this was your father's field, and I bought it from him. Now, Barry had never heard. He didn't even know that his father had that asset. He only found out from this individual that just showed up out of the blue that the asset even existed. But in the same sentence, in, one, in the same breath that he's telling him of the asset, he's also telling him that, by the way, I already bought it, so it's not yours, but it used to belong to your father, Right? Because you see trucks and you see fields all over Pennsylvania that say Nussbaums. But he, he didn't know that this field belonged to Nussbaum. How can you keep track of such an estate? We miss you, Barry. So, so he found out that this field, he didn't even know it was his, was his. So he's believed. Why is he believed, guys? As we finally arrived at Zion, what does this mean? It means the very, <laughs> the very mouth that forbid that forbid him was the mouth that allowed it, which is, in this case, means the following, that the same guy who told him that, he, that the field was sold to him, which normally, for example, if Barry had been aware of the field beforehand, and he said, I think that's my father's field, and this individual had said, no, 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 I bought it from him, well, that would be a motzi mechaveir of Araya, right? He would have to bring proof that he bought it from him. Here, the fact that he was the source of the information that the field existed in the first place, well, that gives him great credibility. He, didn't, he could have laid low. He didn't have to tell Barry anything. That's called a Pesha Hitir. Now, in this case, it's not really Isser Vehetir, but the application of the concept is the same, right, David? Where he volunteered the information, that information would have been uh, unknown without his volunteering it, and therefore he has such credibility that he doesn't need to bring proof to the fact that the field is his. Right. However, but if there were witnesses that said that, in fact, this was Nusbam's field, so then, and if it's in that context that this uh, individual came out of the blue, says that I took it, you would not believe that individual, because after all, he, what, the information that he gave was not new information, and this is a direct illustration of the fact that a that the only time that he has this credibility is if when he was the source of information that's, that we would not have known otherwise. Otherwise, But if 
we have other sources for that information, then we would not believe him because simply he's not offering us any new information and therefore he loses that This is similar to what we called already Migo. Migo is when you make a claim and we already saw this, right? When the, late, when the girl said, uh, right, a man finds in his kala, he says, Pesach Pasuach, you're not a basula. And she says, well, I was with a man, but he was a kosher man, so I'm not usher to you. And it was after Arison, so it's not a mekachtos. So we said, oh, perhaps we should believe her because she could have just said, this was, I'm a mukas eights, right? This was a trauma that I suffered in a banana boating accident off the coast of Mallorca. But she didn't say that. So therefore, she has a migu because she could have had a better claim. Now, Pesha Asar is a little different because Pesha Asar, it's not just a better claim. It's, he's the source of information, as we will see. Pesha Asar is probably a stronger credibility than migu, but both function in a similar way. We will now discuss all of these issues. How does Chazaka uh, interplay with Bari versus Shema? Right, in all of these Gemaras, some of these ideas played into each other. We, we were talking about Yeshua doesn't believe her. Rabbi Gamliel does believe her. So we talked about Sveksveka. We talked about two roves. We talked about Migu. We talked about Bari versus Shema. We talked about Chazaka. We talked about Pesha Asar. Now we'll put it all together as follows. Says the Gemara. Our Mishnah, Taima Ika Edim. Edim Baal Mehemon. It sounds like the reason why we believe this woman. Again, what was the two claims? The woman claims that she, that their first marriage, she was a basula. The man says she was an almana. We said if there's Edim, that she was a basula, then we give the 200 zuz. So it sounds like if there were no Edim, the Baal Mehemon, then we would believe the husband and he would only have to pay a mana. Well, that kind of makes sense because after all, that is Hamotzi Mechavera Olav Arayish. He, he's the one that's holding the money and she's trying to extract money from him. If she can't prove that she was a basula when they got married, then you should only have to pay her a hundred zuz. Says the Gemara, Well, if that's true, that the Baal is Mehemon and she's not believed, so maybe that means that we hold like Rabbi Yeshua. Remember, Rabbi Yeshua is the one that doesn't believe the woman. Right, the Rabbi Gamliel, who usually believes the woman, Ha'amar Ihi Mehemna. He usually, he usually says that she's believed. Now, it's a straw man argument, Andrew, because, yeah, he says that she's believed, but it's a totally different case. That's what the Gemara says. Says the Gemara, It's not just that Rebbe Gamliel believes her because he always believes women in every case, that he always sides with the Kala. That's not the, the case. As we said, in the case that we aforementioned, where we said that the woman said, yes, I was, I, I had Yichud with that guy, and I shouldn't have been with that guy, and in fact, I was with that guy, but he's kosher. So there we believe her, because she really knows what happened. Whereas the man has no idea. All he sees is a Pesach Pesuach. He has no idea how that happened. So therefore, that is on strength of that argument, the Rim Gamliel says, Bari Vashema means that her claim is a real claim. His claim is nothing, and that's why he believes her. But here, Abel Hacha, Bivari, Bivari, Lo Amar, right? Rabbi Gamaliel would say, that's not the case here. Here, they both have the same information about whether she was Alman or Basula, and therefore that's a case of Bari, Bivari. And in that case, Rabbi Gamaliel would agree, right, that we don't necessarily believe her unless she could bring Adim, because after all, he agrees with the concept of Amotzi, Mechavera, Olav, Araya, all things being equal. So the Gemara says, Yeah, this idea that is, is, is so obvious. This fact that this case is different is so obvious that we are wondering why we asked the question in the first place. What do you think that Rabbi Gamaliel just always sides with the Kala because he believes her? 
Habari v'barihu. This is the case of Bari v'bari. It's a much different case than the Bari v'shema. So why did you even ask the question, says the Gemara. That's what it means over here. The Gemara answers, no. Keva derov nashim besulos nisos ki Bari v'shema dami. Ah, now the idea is like this. Most women, when they get married, are actually, right, most weddings are regular weddings where the kala is considered a basula. And therefore, in this particular case, it's like bari v'shema. Why? It's, it's not exactly bari v'shema because after all, he does know what happened, but we don't really believe him that much. We think he's probably lying because she came and she says, you owe me 200 zuz, and, and all of a sudden he magically comes up with this excuse that she's an almana. It sounds like, let's say that this is the case of divorce as opposed to, right? So in the case of divorce, there's acrimony between them and she's kind of like, just give me my money. And he's basically being a jerk. And he's claiming that she's an almana because he knows that they had a, a very small wedding and nobody was really there and that she's not going to be able to give a counterclaim. And there was no ksuba, as we'll see. And so he's just doing it to get out of the money. We don't really believe him. So from our perspective, we're, we think this guy is suspect because it's very unlikely that she wasn't a basula when she got married. Like, where did it come off from? It's very unusual. And that rove is going to, um, right, is going to sort of uh, mitigate his claim, right? It's going to make his claim a lot weaker. All of a sudden, he's sounding like he's making it up. And that's why we treat it like Bari Vishema. And maybe that's why we would believe her and hold like Rabbi Gamliel here in the abs- even in the absence of Edim. Uh, meaning that this is Rabbi Yeshua, but if it was Rabbi Gamliel, maybe he would believe her. Okay. How do we, so now 10 lines down, we're going we're gonna to try to prove that Rabbi Gamliel would agree with this, with our halacha and the mission as follows. Says the Gemara. And it sounds right that Rabbi Gamliel would, would hold that. Why? You may have noticed that when we read the Mishnah, we said, who is he agreeing with? It's just kind of like in the middle of nowhere. Who is he agreeing with? So it says the Gemara like this. Well, if you say the first part of the Mishnah was Rabbi Gamliel, agreeing with our Mishnah and saying, right, that we would, that, that in this case, right, we would believe her um, if there was Adim, so then Shapir. So then Umayyad Rabbi Yeshua, he's agreeing with Rabbi Gamliel in the beginning of the Mishnah. But if you're going to say that the first section isn't talking about Rabbi Gamliel, so then Rabbi Yeshua, Laman Moda, who is he agreeing with? Just It sounds like it's just in midair. So the Gemara says, no, no, no. When we say Moda Rabbi Yeshua, do you think it's referring to the ratio of our Mishnah? No. It's, it's what, when we read the Mishnah, we said, First of all, let's talk about this case where they are arguing about the Ksuba and talk about the Adim bringing Raya that they were at that wedding and therefore we can give the woman her full Besula's Ksuba of 200 Zuz. And then we says, then we said, put that aside and we said, new topic, Moda Rabbi Yeshua to the Peshashas Peshahitir. Says the Gemara, yeah, this is just, all, we're not really addressing the uh, first part of our Mishnah when we say Moda Rabbi Yeshua, but rather, we're kind of going back to our previous chapter and we're talking about all those cases because now we're putting it up in a bow. We're doing Chazara. And therefore, when we say Moda Rabbi Yeshua, it doesn't have to be on the ratio of our Mishnah. It could be on our previous parak, right? Misvar Rabbi Yeshua, hi, Pirkin Kai. Do you think he was talking about our Mishnah and that's what he's Moda to? Unlikely. Amigu Kai. He's referring to an argument of Amigu about Pirkin Kamakai. And he's referring to an argument of Amigu that we had in the first chapter. So I'm going to say it outside first, and then we'll read in the Gemara, 
right, what this means. Because what the Gemara is going to do now for a while is search for this Migo. So I already told you the Migo. The Migo was, right, where we went in the case where the woman said, I was Nisteret, I had Yichud with a man, and in fact, we were together. And here we're going to have a child now, but I'm kosher, or even either she's Meuberis, or let's say she's not Meuberis, right? She just said, I was with the man, but I, she didn't get pregnant. Okay, but the man was kosher. Remember, even if she doesn't get pregnant, if she cohabited with a, with a puzzle individual, she's now puzzle to her chasm. So she says, yes, you saw those people who saw me. It's true. You saw me and I was, um, I had yichud with an individual and she volunteers the fact that she cohabited, but she says also that she was, in fact, um, with him and he was kosher. He was a good dude. And therefore she's not puzzle to her chasm. That's the case of, right? That's the case that we're talking about. We'll see that in the Gemara. And in that case, she could have said that she was a mukasetz, as discussed. She could have said it was a traumatic injury. And what? And that's the Migos. And that's the Migos. Thank you, Andrews. And that's exactly right. Now, in that case, Rabbi Yeshua, right, did not believe her. That was the case where Gamaliel believed her. And he said, we believe her that she was with a kosher dude and therefore she's not puzzled her husband. Rabbi Yeshua said that we do not believe her and therefore she is puzzled to her husband. And when we say Mode Rabbi Yeshua here, we mean that there we don't believe her because that's just amigo, right? Because we have Adim that something happened between her and this guy. So she's just using a taina. She could have used a better claim that she was a mukas eights, but she didn't. But so therefore she has a migo, and based off of that migo, Rabbi Gabriel will believe her. But Yeshua does not believe her in that case. However, in this case of where we bring in the case of the field, where a guy comes out of left field, see what I did there, David, and he says that I owned that that I bought this field that you didn't even know about, right? He bought Nusbam's father's field that he didn't even know about. There, Rabbi Yeshua will be moda that he does believe the man. Why does he believe him? Because that's a pesha, also pesha hitter. We would have had no knowledge at all, right? And, and yet, over there, he believes because we would have no knowledge at all. And therefore, that pesha, also pesha hitter, even Rabbi Yeshua would agree with Rabbi Gamliel that we do believe him. And so now we're going to see it inside because we're going to search for the migu. So we already found it because I gave it away. But let's search. Which case... And in our search, we're going to chazer the whole last parak, pretty much, right? Because which case is it that Rabbi Yeshua, right? All the machlokes in Rabbi Yeshua and Gamliel, which case was it that Rabbi Yeshua uh, did not believe the Migo? So let's see. Ilim aha. Maybe say the following Mishnah. Haisumu beres, right? So let's go back to the Dafyud Gimel. Haisumu beres, Ramallah Mativa There's a case where she was pregnant, and they say, is this kid kosher? So she says, Ishploni Vachoinu. Yeah, his dad was very kosher. He, was a, he could have married, been a kind gadol. So there, I'm going to believe that Rabbi Yeshua said, "Yeah, we're not going to right, bet our life on it because we don't believe her." So, my migo ika. Is that the case where Rabbi Yeshua didn't hold of the migo? There, there was no migo. Hari kresa ben shinah. Don't forget what kind of migo did she have? She couldn't have had a better claim. She's sitting there and she's got the baby bump. She's pregnant up to her teeth, and so of course she can't claim she was a mukas eights. Because there's a Metzias here, Andrew. So she obviously got pregnant. There's no Migo. She didn't have a better claim. So that's not the case. Elaha. So let's go take a tour and other dapim in, uh, in the Machlokas Rabbi Shur Gamliel. How about Ra'ua Medaberasi Mechon? We saw she was socializing by the boardwalk with the guy. And we said, okay, who's this dude? So she says, He's kosher. 
So Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Lezer, Rabbi Menemenes. There, Rabbi Gamliel believed that Rabbi Shua Amir Lomim Piano Chayin. Yeah, we're not going to believe her. So Hasam Mai Migu Ika is there? Is there a Migu there? Well, don't forget there was a Machlokas in our Gemara as to what Midaberet meant. So we say Hanichel is the Iri Demar Mai Midaberet Nistera. The Iri held that Midaberet meant that they had Yichud, and therefore she could claim that yeah, we had Yichud, but we didn't cohabit. She could have claimed that. Says the Gemara says Migu de Ibai Amar Lo Nivalti. She could have said that, yeah, I was just hanging out with him, but it's not what it looked like. And because she, she conceded that she did cohabit with him, so now she's believed because she has a migu. However, this shot, <coughs> that Mishnah, would not make sense according to Ravasi. Because Ravasi said that the Barrett meant that she actually had Adim that they cohabited. And if those Adim did in fact exist, so then she has no Migu. And therefore the Gurmara is going to reject it based on that. In other words, uh, we're saying there would be sure here is Moda to a previous case where he was, uh, Cholik on Rabbi Gamliel and Amigo. But that case of Medaberis doesn't make as much sense only because of Asi had he been aware of the fact that Rabbi Yeshua is agreeing. It, it had Amigo that he disagreed with, Rabbi Asi would never have proposed that Medaberis means Nivelas. And therefore, we want one where everybody would agree that she has Amigo. Here, only, Rabbi, only Zairi would say that she had Amigo. So let's look for another Mishnah. Elaha. How about this one? Heomeris Mukas Eitz Ani. What about that other case that we learned, where she says that she had a traumatic injury, and he says, no, I see this Pesach Pesuch, but I don't think it was a traumatic injury. I think it was a dude. So there too, we said Rabbi Gamaliel believes her when she says she's Mukas Eitz, and Rabbi Yeshua says, I'm not going to, right, uh, believe her. Right, so, Hasam Mai Migu Ika. Well, what Migu does she have? She said Mukas Eitz. <laughs> That's the best time she can give. So we say, wait a minute. Remember we said this? If you say, according to Rabbi Lazar, that says that the Machlokas over there was what? Whether she gets 100 mana if she was a Mukas Eitz, or she gets, or she doesn't get anything, right? In the, in the case that she was an Eve Ellis. So, Migu de Ibai Amra, Mukas Eitz Ani Tachtich Ve Islam Well, if she said Mukas Eitz, it would matter as follows. Don't forget, mana versus 100 would be like this. Uh, I, I, I just this second didn't describe it exactly correctly, as follows. Where if she was a Mukas Eitz before Arison, then she still would get nothing because he would claim a Mekachtos, as he would say. He, if she was a Mukas Eitz, she, he wanted to know that. The mana versus uh, zero shot means that she says, I'm a Mukas Eitz and it happened under your watch. In other words, after Arison, I, I sustained a traumatic injury and therefore, Nistaf Chasadeu, right? Therefore, if, since it happened after Arison, it's just something that happened to him, but it wasn't a Mekachtos. But as a Mukas Eitz, according to that sheet, she only gets a hundred. Okay? So, or Mukas Eitz and Itachtech Vyislam Asain. So again, that was the case. And therefore, since she only gets uh, right? So again, she uh, is saying that it happened before Arison, so she concedes that. By conceding that it happened before Arison, but saying it happened before Arison, but it was not done by a man, but rather by a traumatic injury, she then downgrades her Ksuba from 200, which is what she would have gotten if the Mukas 8 was after Arison, to 100, which is what she gets if it's before Arison. And therefore she has a Migu. And that's what she's believed. But that was only Rabbi Lezer. Rabbi Yochanan held that over there the Machlokas was Masai Mamana. Said, My Migu Ika. There she loses her ego, Migu. Because she only gets a, a Mana 
regardless of whether the Mukhasait was before or after Arison, right? In other words, what, what she conceded was that it happened before Arison. Uh, but, but she said that it was not Nivellas, but rather it was a Mukas Eitz. Oh, well, at that point, if you hold that the Machlokas is whether Mataim or Mane, so then she's getting her Mane and she is not conceding anything because either way she's going to get a Mane. And therefore that can't be the case. So now we're finally going to identify the case as we said. Elaha. Here's the case. Okay, again, man sees the Pesach Pasuach, he says there's no Basula here. So she says, yes, I was violated against my will after Arison, and it's something that happened to you because this was not something I could have told you at Kiddushin because it did not, not yet happen. So that's the only argument. In other words, she concedes that she was Nivellas. She could have said that she was Mukas Eitz, but she concedes that she was violated by a man. However, what she is telling him is that it happened after Arison. And he is arguing that he's concerned that it happened before Arison. So that's where there was a machlokas. From Gamliel, Rabbi Lezer, Omer, Menas. From Gamliel, Rabbi Lezer, believe her. Rabbi Yeshua, Omer, Lo Mi Pion Uchayin. Rabbi Yeshua says, I wouldn't bet my life on it. I don't believe her. Demigo, the e boy, Amar Mukas Eitz, Ani Tachtich. Because she, however, in that case, she does have a migu. Because she could have said that she was a Mukas Eitz. She didn't have to say that she was violated by a man. Right? And what would have been, made that a better taina? The Gemara says, the loka pasal nafshimikihuna, yeah. In other words, it's true that if she was violated, that she's not usher to her husband, but that's only if he's not a coin. If the man that she, and it happens to be that this case was Israel, but let's say this marriage terminates and she wants to marry somebody else, the fact that she admitted that she was violated by a man means she can never marry a coin. Oh, and that's even if it was against her will. So by admitting that she was violated by another man, she was proposing a less ideal taina, and that creates amigu for Rabbi Gamliel, and he believes her. When she says she was violated, therefore she makes herself pasal kahuna, and hachi kama Rabbi Gamliel de is in that case, Rabbi Gamliel says that she's believed based off of that little extra uh, evidence that she concedes, that creates enough of amigu to believe her now when she says that it happened after Arison. However, he says, with this migu, uh, in this migu, I don't agree. In other words, in our, this is the case where Bishua says, oh, in the case of the guy who came up to Barry and said, I bought that Nussbaum field, and Barry's like, oh, I didn't even know we ever owned that field. In that case, I do believe you, says Rabbi Shua. However, about who Migu, the Hassam, but that Migu over there, where she concedes that she was Nivellus, but she says that it was after Arison, Polgina Alvach. There, I disagree with you. He doesn't like that Migu. He thinks that that Migu is not conceding enough, Andrew. It's just to concede that you were violated after Arison. That's convenient, right? Because you basically, all things being equal, unless you terminate your wedding with this guy, you're just going to move on with life as usual, right? So that's not enough to grant you credibility, according to Rabbi uh, Yehoshua. But it is enough, according to Rabbi Gamliel. It is in that case that they disagree. However, in our case, Maida Rabbi Yeshua, in the case of Peshas and Peshitar with Nisbans Field, where they agree. And now let's see, Mechti Hai Migu, Vahai Migu, Maishna Hai Migu, Mahai Migu, says the Gemara. Wait a minute. They're both Migu, right? In both cases, she's conceding something. 
or we're learning something. So shouldn't all migus be created equal and therefore lend credibility? Why is Rabbi Shua not believer in the other case? So no, not all migus are created equal, as the Gemara says. Hacha ain't shor shachat lefanecha. Hasam hare shor shachat lefanecha. Shor shachat lefanecha means you see the evidence right in front of you. You, you, as, as follows. In the case of the field, you have no evidence. So therefore, when the man came over and volunteered the information to, to Barry, right, Barry would have never known otherwise. And so that's a real concession. That's a real He's actually giving him the information that could have cost him the field and he would not have known it otherwise and therefore his credibility is rock solid. But here, the man found that she's not a basula. So he already knows that something's up. And when you volunteer information that nobody else would have known, it's an explanation and you believe them. When you volunteer information once, the, the, once we already know that something's amiss, that's an excuse, right? Like if, if something's already uh, gone wrong, so then she's com- she can come up with anything at that point. And it's for that reason Rabbi Yeshua does not believe her. Okay, so, those, so there's Migo and there's Migo. Different uh, cases can lend different amounts of credibility. And that is a fascinating um, situation. And that was a nice little tour of Chazara of the Gemara from Yud Gimel to Tezayin. Very nice. Okay, Rabbi Shimon Gunliel, that was really fun. Four lines up from the bottom of Tezayin, and Alpha as follows. We said in our Mishnah that since most women, they get married, right? It's a regular wedding, and they're Edelmatels from Karen Traub, and they had a Shidduch resume, and they were Besulos. So therefore, kilo asu edim mayhavi. So maybe we should believe me without edim. If there's a rove, why do you need edim? Asks the Gemara. Says the Gemara, Amar Ravina, Mishum deikal meim a rove nashim besulos nisos umiut almanos vechol hanises besula yesh lakol. Well, the presumption is like this. I mean, our case in the mission is a weird case, right? How could they argue whether she was a besula or an almana? Where's the ksuba? Where's the edim? Where's the wedding album? Like, shouldn't this be something that's obvious? So obviously, this was a pretty quiet ceremony, right? Uh, and so, since most women, when they get married, are basulos, however, there are some who get married when they're almanos. If, v'chol, hanises, basula yesh l'chol. Since when any time somebody has a real wedding, right, somebody usually has the wedding venture. Somebody must have known that this wedding took place that sort of, right, diminishes the credibility as we turn to, to Zion of Bez. But since this is so hush-hush that people aren't even sure whether she married a Basula or Zalmana, Israel Aruba, her rove is compromised, right? In other words, she loses her rove if nobody ever heard of this, of this wedding. And therefore, that is why our Mishnah wants, A, them at least, somebody to come forward and say, yes, she was a Basula. Says the Gemara, well, ikol anisas besula yesh If you're going to say every besula has a call, then kiyosu edim ayhavi. So maybe the edim shouldn't be enough, right? Hanach tzadi shakrininu. Why do we believe the edim? In other words, it's a weird thing, Matt. She, this woman, this, these people got married. Nobody's ever heard of the wedding. Nobody's ever heard that this wedding ever took place. So, so you get two, two guys to say that she was a besula. Something shady here. Like, how could you have a wedding that nobody's ever heard of? When this happens, sounds a little weird. Now it doesn't mean kol. Before we said the word kol, right? Yeshli rav, yeshli kol. Before we said every single nises besula has a kol. Now we're saying no, not every single case. There is such a thing, man, where it was, uh, you know, two people, they're from, I don't know, they don't have friends, they came from the Ukraine, right? They got married in the rabbi's office. 
They go out a minion together of guys who don't know who they are. We don't even, there's no wedding album. We don't even know who, these people, who was at this minion. And therefore, there is such a thing as a woman getting married for the first time, but people weren't at the wedding. There's no wedding venture, no wedding album. And it happens. Since that can happen, so Zu, Hoyle, Vein, Lakol, she doesn't have a Kol. So Israel Aruba, right? So it's true that she doesn't have a rove, but however, and that's compromised. But therefore, if the witnesses come, however, it's not so unbelievable. Because these things do happen. So if the two guys come in and they say, yes, you know, Chaim Shechler says, I was in the rabbi's office and we did this, Chaim Shechler and, and Dovi Frankel, uh, obviously they come and they say that we saw it, then we do not think that they're just lying because it does happen since it doesn't often happen. She doesn't have a rove. But since it sometimes does happen, we believe the witnesses and therefore if we have any witnesses in our Mishnah, we believe that she married as a Sula. Now the Mishnah said, five lines down, What's the sinuma? Okay? That, that's something that's indicative of the fact that she was a basula. Says the Gemara. Valechush. So, Dilma Mapka Eidim Bahai Dina Vagavai. Now we have a different case. Right? We didn't, we're not uh, translating what Hinuma is yet. First, we're saying like this. Huh. If we have Eidim that say that she got married, she gets 200 zuz. Wait a minute, guys. How often are they going to do this? They can go to every Bezdin in town and claim, make this claim over and over again and keep collecting the ksuba, right? Keep collecting the matayim zuz. Shouldn't we be concerned? Maybe she'll produce these edim v'hai be'zina v'gavai. V'hadam apkalei l'ksuba v'hai be'zina v'gavai. She's going to come with the ksuba to multiple be'zdin and keep collecting 200 zuz at every stop. So I'm going to go, Zotamerit, Kosvin Shover. Okay, so Rashi's explaining. There's a machlokas here, okay? Um, and in Baba Basra, as to whether this ksuba gets a receipt. So that's an interesting case, as we'll see. And Rapapa Amar Bamakam Shane Kosin Ksuva Askinon. Talking about a case where there's no Ksuva. So guys, this is something an aside, but it's important aside. Do, when a woman gets her Ksuba, does she have to give a receipt? Because if she didn't give a receipt, so then she can keep collecting her Ksuva over and over again. That's the, the question now. It's a machlokus in Baba Basra. It's a machlokus we're going to address here. Because Rav Papa said that we don't like to give receipts. Why don't we like to give receipts? Because whenever you give a receipt, so now it's incumbent upon the husband to hold on to that receipt. If he lost the receipt, so then all of a sudden she can collect again. Maybe we don't want to have to give him that responsibility. Because after all, he's sort of like the lender, so to speak, in this case. We don't, uh, right, we, we don't want to uh, put that onus on him. Okay. So, Rapapa says, no, we're talking about a case where there's no ksuba, by the way. She can live with him, according to this. We said Midarabhan and she can't. But Rapapa is saying, there were locales where they didn't give a ksuba for that reason. They didn't have it, they had it written down. Maybe they would read it under the chuppah, but they didn't request it like a star. It wasn't like an I, it didn't have the power, uh, the legal power of a financial IOU. That's what he means. So, let's, let's see this as follows. The there's some who said this with regards to certain b'risa as follows. The b'risa said like this. Let's say, right, she had the ksuba, they read it on the chuppah, but she lost it. Or hitmina, she hid it. Or nisrfa, or it burned up. If they danced in front of a wedding, and we know that there was, is what? Nasi gross. They were dancing around, they took pictures. That's Jeffrey Rush's. Or they pass before her. We'll see what this is. This famous coast of announcing that she's a basula that, right, fish will gross prepared. Or mapa shil basulin. 
or they had right the mapashul basulam. All these things indicative indicative of a marriage of a basula. If we have the wedding album, we see that all these things were there. Then All you need is Adam that any of this happens, and she gets a ksuba of matayim like a basula. That's what the brisa says. So the gemara asks on the brisa of in other words, how do you ever collect the ksuba, David? <laughs> Anytime you're collecting ksuba, don't you have to be choshesh? In other words, they're, t- they're doing what I call the wedding album tour, right? To Aiden with a wedding album, say, look, this wedding, let's collect the ksuba. So you could go to every bezin in town and then go to every bezin in Silver Spring and keep collecting the ksuba over and over again. So how do you stop that? So Amar Rabbi Abo, the Gemara explains, Zotamerit, Kosvin Shover. Must be that you have that it needed to produce a receipt. Once he produces a receipt, so then he see then he shows that he already paid it once, and then the whole thing, the whole taina is over. However, Papa saying no. We're talking about a case where there's no ksuba. I have to explain this a little bit better. You're saying, wait a minute, how does having no ksuba help? What Papa means is that. In the absence of a receipt, which again, it was the Machlokas Rabbi Basra, whether we want to put the onus of him of having to hold on to a receipt. In the absence of a receipt, we don't listen to the ksuba either. Just producing a ksuba isn't going to give you money. In other words, every Bezdin, whenever they're confronted with the payment of a ksuba, checks into it, does an investigation. They don't rely on the ksuba like a shtarchov. They simply investigate. If this Bezdin were to investigate, we rely on them to be able to do the due diligence and they're going to find out that she was already paid. That's what that means. So if Papa basically says the Bezin has to do their homework and Rabbi Abo says that you have to have this, uh, you have to produce a receipt. So the Gemara questions Rav Papa, however, says, wait a minute, how does Rav Papa understand this Brisa to mean that there's no Ksuba? <laughs> the Brisa mentions Ksuba a thousand times, so to speak. It says, well, it says she lost the Ksuba. Obviously, at some point there was a Ksuba. So Rav Papa says, no, the Chosav La Ihu. It's not like a ksuba, like a shtar chov. This is a ksuba that, you know, that was done with calligraphy. They got this famous agam ksuba done and it's hanging in their dining room. But it's not a ksuba like a legal ksuba, right? It's not meant to be used as a shtar chov. Okay, so the Gemara says, sof sof mapka levigabayba. Yeah, but in fact, if, so what? It was a, it, so let's say it was a decorative ksuba. But it's a ksuba nonetheless. The Adam signed on it. So my ivda. I think, oh, by the way, Stewie Shabbos would be a good eight ksuba, I think. He has like a, he can write a nice calligraphy. On that. Anyway. My Ibda. What do you mean she lost her ksuba? Ibda ba'ur. It said she lost it. So in other words, she can, the case of the brisa is that she could produce the ksuba. So what does it mean when she lost it? So it says, no, she lost it in a fire. What do you mean she lost it in a fire? That's one of the other cases of the Gemara. We said Ibda anisrafa, that she lost it or it burned up. So why, if lost it means it burned up, so that's the same thing. And what do we mean when we say she hid it? And why would you lose a Lashon of she lost it if you meant it got burned up? Obviously, there was a Ksuba at some point. So says the Gemara, no. We're trying to explain how her Papa could say that there was no Ksuba. So you say, yeah, anytime she says she lost it, it's as if she's hiding it. That's what it means. And that's why we don't give her any money. Until Adim says there was a ksuba and it got burned up. In other words, what Papa is saying is he's going to massage all the language in the Brisa to say that if a ksuba document exists, then we don't, then he doesn't have to pay, right? He's only going to accept the testimony of Adim if ksuba no longer exists. In other words, the reason, right, 
again, either there's a receipt or we do their due diligence, but not be, by virtue of aksuba, because aksuba does in fact cannot be used according to Papa as a star chov because it's too problematic because it's something that's still going to be there. She can always hold on to it and always say and keep going and collect it over and over again. And therefore the Bezin has to do the due diligence. And then it finishes up over here by saying, Yeah, if you understood all of what we just read into the Brisa, then it's culture came to the Mishnah. That makes the Mishnah understandable. However, Yeah, but those who only understood this dialogue that we just explained, all the explanations of what the different permutations of lost it and burnt it in the Ksuba means, within Rav Papa's meaning is no receipt. So if you understood that, all of that in our Mishnah, you understand our Brisa fully, right? But, but it's tough. If you understood all, all of it in the Brisa, then you know. But if you were not aware of this brisa, then you would read the brisa and you have a lot of kashas on it. You'd have the questions. But we would answer it as we just answered now. Okay, so now, so that's what Rapapa, when we get to Babasra Bezrat Hashem, we'll talk about the receipt of Aksuba more at length. But now 18 lines up from the top. Imyesh Edim. Says the Gemara. So again, we're asking again. How about collecting the Ksuba multiple times? The Gemara explains. Vadai Kasvin and Shofar. Uh, Shovar. Shover. In other words, the Gemara is just throwing on another addendum here, which is in a place where you cannot, where there is no other choice, and we have no way of knowing whether there was a Ksuba or not, and what exactly happened. So then, for sure, even though we have a Machlokas and Baba Basra, whether receipt is a good idea, if the receipt is the only way to corroborate the fact that the Ksuba was paid, then of course there, we have no choice but to give a receipt. Okay. Now, my What is this announcement cup? We give the kala who, if she's a basula, to show this woman she would be able to eat truma. She's totally kosher. So, papa, Wait a minute, an almana is also entitled to truma. She's not puzzled just because she's not a basula. So why do we only use the kos of truma in the chasana of Bzula? Ella Amar Papa, our Papa says the symbolism is, other, is different. Zo reishis kitruma reishis. In other words, this, right, Basula, it's her first marriage, just like truma is the first thing you take off from your produce. That's the symbolism, not to show kashras, but rather to show first time. Okay. Tanya, Rebuda, Omer, we have a brisa, chavit shayayim avir lefanea. The imagery of a barrel of wine at the wedding. Yeah, at the wedding of a basula, we would have this closed barrel that we'd roll around. At the wedding of a basula, we'd have this big, wide open barrel rolling around. That is a very subtle imagery. Amai, why are we doing this? Maybe instead of having a wide open barrel imagery at a, at a wedding of a, of a mana, which is a little bit weird, just don't have a barrel at all. Isn't that better than a wide open barrel? Maybe don't pass a barrel at all. So says the Gemara, no. Maybe she's going to make a claim that she's a basula because she was, and she's going to want to get 200 zuz from a ksuba. And we're going to say, I don't think you're a basula. I don't remember there being a barrel at your wedding. And, but maybe the reason why there was no barrel at the wedding was because uh, the caterer forgot to bring it. In other words, if you have an open barrel, so you make a statement. So either way, you got to make sure one of the first things the caterer makes sure you have is a barrel. This way, at least we can determine whether she was a basula or baula, because a lack of barrel is too ambiguous. And fine. And so, you know what? We'll stop here.
And so I leave you the last line of Tazayin and Rebbeis. Tomorrow, we're going to, on Shabbos, we're going to learn, Tanarabon, Kate said, Meraktin, Lifnei Akala. How are we going to participate in this wedding celebration when we all be Zocha to uh, celebrate in many Simchas together?